Hello, everybody, and welcome to yet another edition of RZ Weekly, our weekly podcast about religious Zionism, modern orthodoxy, and everything in between. Today's episode, we're going to talk about high schools, specifically high schools in Israel, and also how they compare and contrast to high schools in Chutz Aretz. Uh, Johnny's from England originally, and Molly and I are from America. And Molly has specific, uh, specific knowledge, especially because of her interaction with her seminary students. So we're going to start by focusing on high schools, specifically in Israel. And we're going to keep it, have a little bit of a different format this time and uh, try to have a short, sort of a, a short, shorter discussion about a number of different topics. So the first thing that uh, strikes you when you're a parent in, in, uh, in Israel and, and contemplating sending your children to high school is, at least in the religious Zionist world, is the broad, wide range and selection of schools that are theoretically available to you to send your children. Because in theory and in practice, you could send them anywhere in the country, literally. And in addition, there's an entire range of different kinds of high schools that focus on many different kinds of things. So, Johnny, you, you have two daughters in high school. I'll start with you. Maybe if you could speak to that, what your experience has been in trying to find an appropriate high school for your daughters. What have you found? Okay, well, truth be told, I, the headline reason why we made Aliyah, other than our deep love of Israel, was education. And I was a head of tech studies at a girls' high school. So I said, well, this is good, but I want something different and broader for my family. And we moved here to Israel. And one of the major reasons we eventually moved to Ebenshmuel is because they have a, a great girls' upana here. And my eldest daughter, Meira, studies here. She sleeps at a, it's a, it's a, a dormitory school even though we live just a matter of minutes from where the school is at. And we're just deeply impressed by the kind of spirituality that emanates from the school, the broad range of experiences, the kind of people she meets and the kind of conversations she has. My second daughter, Aviva, uh, went to a different school. My wife, In fact, my wife and uh, kids are there now. They're having an English show of the Wizard of Oz in Neveda Kalim, which is a different school in a place called Nitzan. Uh, and we chose that school because it was a little bit smaller, had a slightly different emphasis um, for perhaps a slightly more artistic student. And we're also incredibly impressed and thrilled with the kind of uh, education she's getting there. Of course, there are pros and of course there are cons. And I'm happy to mention some of them here this evening. But nonetheless, uh, we feel that our daughters are growing, getting to know both Israel, but getting to know other uh, young women, learning different things and having a wide range of experiences that reflect our values, but also stretch them to encounter uh, and meet people of different values. I, I, for uh, just, uh, Johnny, I'll note that uh, my daughter also is studying in the open in Eben Shmuel, and she lives a little bit farther away. But there are girls in Eben Shmuel from as far as Eilat and up as far as north. So Eben Shmuel is actually, right. it's interesting. Is there a local school, because this isn't something I want to I bring up, is there a local school that's not a dorming school that parents send their children to in a high school in in around Eben Shmuel. Yeah, in Melka Shapira. So that's not a, not a dorming school, uh, and there are people in the neighborhood who considered it. We, uh, my my wife taught my daughter there to see that. So yeah, the difference between dorming and not dorming obviously has a whole range of different permutations. It also depends on the uh, sensitivity and desire of the student. Our feeling, aside from 
the fact that uh, we felt we were impressed by the school's words, especially as a limb, uh, and people who, while we have a lot of Hebrew in our home, we still speak in English. We wanted our daughters to really immerse as much as possible. We felt that high school education, and for elementary, but specifically high school education, can be the make or breaker of your entry into a whole range of fields. And we felt that Ulpana, and specifically Dorming Ulpana, could provide things that non-Dorming Ulpana may not be able to do so. And so far, we've been uh, very, very happy with the results. Molly, what's your experience? Um, so it's, I guess I'm going to start with the Dorming issue because uh, our experience actually started with that issue, um, which was that with my first child, I was convinced that no dorm. Yahari Valyavor, no dorm, I'm not, there's no reason, I had all kinds of very, very strong feelings, I'm raising my child, um, the school's not, all kinds of stuff, sent him to a non-dorming school in Yerushalayim, it was a very, very bad match for my child, he was completely miserable, um, and then we switched him to a dorm school very close to, to our house, so my feeling about dorming is that it's not l'chachila, um, I would prefer a non-dorming environment, but I have come to realize that um, the way the system is set up, the particular dorming school that my son went to and now my second son is in um, is is so good for so many of the reasons that Johnny described. Um, it, it, it's, it's just a great school. It's just an overall great school. I think the education is excellent. I think that they have striving for religious um, um, growth and seriousness. I think, and this is, I think, part of why, part of the question why the German culture began was it because at the time when they opened up the schools in Israel, they didn't have that many options. People had to send away, and then they turned a bidiyev into a lechachila. That might be a reason, but it's, it's also true that it's because in Israel the social piece is very, very important, and they feel that with the dorm, they they give that part as well. Um, I actually, and, I heard two other reasons. I heard that when the when they first started the system, people had large families and tiny, tiny apartments. And I heard that. Yeah. I also heard another reason. I heard another reason. The other reason was educationally that that the perception was that the families were less religious and the children would get a better religious education. At least the schools felt that the children's religious right. education, specifically boys, not necessarily girls. Right. Would be better if they That's were if they were dorming. That's very similar to what goes on in America, certainly in more yeshivish communities, where you send your boys away to the yeshiva, and you know, in, in in the big cities, or in specific cities. But that notwithstanding, at least I'm lucky enough that the dorm school that I sent my boys to is um, ten minutes, five to ten minutes away by car. They are. They are, they are a dorm school that does believe that the house is the center of Chinuch, so they are very, very accommodating and understanding about children coming home. And I, and I, think, I think it's actually, the way Johnny said, I think they give them very, very healthy social messages. Um, so overall, I've been very pleased. That was my son's experience. My daughter also went to a school, not a dorm school, close by. Um, also, um, very overall, very positive experience. I felt that her the education was very good, both in religious and secular studies. I think they put the right emphasis on um, emotional and social health. Um, I think that they worked with the girls on religious and spiritual growth. Okay, and I think it is important to say that, as I said before, um, the second school that I had for my sons, I had an extremely positive experience, but my, the first experience was not a great match, and I think that really sharpened for me the importance of finding the right fit for your child. There are many different kinds of schools, um, and there, there are a lot of variables in, in what makes schools different from each other, and I think it's it, it, the success comes when you find 
the right match between your child and the school. So that's, I think, really interesting that you mentioned that. I really I find it so interesting because it highlights that comment, Molly, highlights the, the I would say, the, the wealth of riches that, on the one hand, that we experience as parents here. Like I sort of alluded to this, that there's just any type of school you can imagine. I have a son who's very musical, and he had the option, he chose not to, of going to a school that's a school for music for religious boys, and there's a school for music for religious girls, and there's art schools, and there's spirituality schools, and there's farming schools, and there's, you know what I'm saying, there's like, there's, there's literally, like, you, you name it, there's a school for that if, if they can garner a certain, a certain quality of kids. So on the one hand, that's a, a wealth and a richness, and on the other end, it's a challenge, because as you mentioned, like you said, you have to find the right school for that child, and parents very often are not given very much, especially when you're, when you're first starting out, your, your, your first child or two, you don't really understand the difference between the different kinds of schools until you have experience with them. You don't really know what the differences really are. You're sort of going on what people are telling you. And there's this, this very daunting admissions process to get into the, I would say, the more selective, the more difficult schools. I know, I, we've been blessed. Thank God, you know, my kids have gotten into the schools that they wanted to. But I know that the, the school that my son got into, there were probably, you know, 500 kids applying for 80 slots. And it's, and it's a big, it's very daunting challenge for a lot of parents to try to find, to try to find, um, try to find schools that they want to send their children to and get them in. I want to mention other, another thing, which in addition to the admission and selection, I want to mention something that I've experienced in dorming versus not dorming, which it also depends on where you live. In my, so, Molly, you live in, in Gush Etzion, so therefore, in the Gush itself, there's, it's a critical uh, um, a mass of religious Zionist people. So, therefore, you're gonna, you had the option of sending to a local school, a non-dorming school, with a number of critical like-minded like people. But when you live where I live, like out, so you have a choice. You can send to the local school, which is a high school, and it's a separate boys' school, and it's a, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a yeshiva tichonit, which means a religious boys' high school. But it's also, it, it, it draws from the local area, meaning all the people that don't want to send their kids away are sending their kids to this local school. And, and that's one option. And the administration is wonderful. But the, the kids, the boys, by and large, aren't necessarily interested in learning seriously or davening seriously. They're just going to high school. And the other, the other option is the dorm, meaning sending your kids away. And the benefit that those dorm schools had is that they are now able to be selective and decide who they want to accept and who they don't want to accept. And it becomes a, it, it's basically an elitist school. So each school will choose its own, you know, you, you could be elitist about music and you could be elitist about learning and elitist about spirituality. But the reason, in my experience, that we send our kids away, each of our two boys that went to high school, the first two, we tried to keep them in ninth grade. And it became abundantly clear at some point that the school wasn't for them and it wasn't for what we wanted for them. And without, we didn't want them. Like, we were like you. I was like, no, I'm not sending my kid away. But it became obvious that what was best for them was to go to one of these elitist schools with like-minded kids where they could develop in the ways that we wanted to and truthfully, that they wanted to develop, even though you pay a great price. You know, you pay but a I great think price. we had the same experience. Like, like, like what you're describing, we had the same experience. Meaning when we send our our son to the non-dorming school. We didn't send him to the non-dorming school in the Gush area um, because I, I, I don't know what to call it. I mean, you know, I guess maybe non-elitist is the right way to say it, but it, it wouldn't have been a good match for our kid academically and let's say religiously. 
And I think part of that is because it takes from a broader range of kids. So we sent him to a non-dorming school in Jerusalem, um, which wasn't good for other reasons, even though it's, quote-unquote, <laughs> let's say, a more selective school. Mm-hmm. But I think you're right. I think that... Um, um, that, that that is correct. The problem is, as you alluded to before, these schools that are more selective um, and that are really, as we're all describing, you know, if we're fortunate enough that, that our children, you know, get, you know, have, have, have found a place there. We've all, I think, also experienced the harrowing um, admissions process, which you alluded to, which makes seventh and eighth grade a tremendous pressure cooker for for both the parent and the child. Um, and it's that is that's part of the experience that I think is extremely challenging and it's not pleasant um, and can actually be very painful and can be very painful also for the parents and also for the children to go through a, what, what I think the equivalent would be in America in terms of the emotional experience. You know, it's like when they're getting into college, um, what these kids are going through. I don't know. The truth is, this might be different for me than for you guys, because I think the Gush is the only one of the only places in the country left where they don't have a chativa. So our kids are going through it in seventh and eighth grade. I think in a lot of other places, they're already switching over in sixth and seventh. I don't know how it is in Evan Shmuel. No, where we were, we had we have seventh and eighth grade also. We had seventh and eighth grade. And my no, my, in fact, my my daughter had meaningful challenges uh, pushed onto her when she transitioned from eighth to ninth, and we had a difficulty in the admissions process. Um, in the end, she's in the school that I want her to be at, and I believe is best for her. Yeah, I, I think she agrees. We now. had the same but experience. It, my, it was very, very challenging. We had the same experience with our daughter. I, mean, I don't want to. I mean, she didn't. She wanted to get into a school very, very badly. All of her friends got into that school, and she did not. And it was just like, but in hindsight, Baruch Hashem, she's so happy at the school she's at. But it was incredibly painful to watch. Just incredibly difficult. To, to see her experiencing that kind of isolation and rejection and nobody will give you the, the time of day and, you know, the administrators, they, they have no obligation to anyone. You know, they can decide who they want to take and who they don't want to take. And uh, it, it, I, I agree with you. Yeah. I think it's very unhealthy, although I have heard now, at least in, in yeah. Teaneck, in the New York area, it's not obvious also that there are similar admissions uh-huh. for certain kinds of schools. But I don't think probably the same It's way. also like for my son... He got, he, again, we chose to send him to the wrong school, let's say, right? Because I was like, no dorm, and this school's going to be great. And then it wasn't. And then we we knew the right school for him, which was a school in the area, a dorm school, and they simply didn't have room. It wasn't that they weren't accepting him. They simply didn't have room. So we were only able to switch him uh, at a certain point when a space became available. But the child, I mean, you know, I should, I should keep his privacy, but like, you know, it was two <laughs> years of being very unhappy at school, and that's not that was not fun to watch as a parent. So, so there is a you know there's a problem. That is a problem. The 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 limited availability issue. It works great for the kids who get in, who get in smoothly, and who have good time. But 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 you know it's it's it's, it's Johnny great. for Anglo parents who are listening, who are trying to get their kid, trying to figure out what to do. Do you think there are tools that can help them? Um, you know, figure out get some guidance as to what would be best for their child or what they would want. Are you aware of any, you know, guidance process to help help them find good schools for their kids? I think like, uh, and truth be told, I, I have a background in, in uh, education, even in the UK. There are things written, there are things said, and uh, the Tash of Alper is often far, far more important to pay attention to, to necessarily what's written about any given school. That's point number one. Point number two is, uh, I often uh, I often um, uh, judge schools by their graduates. Try and spend time um, 
in, t in talking to people who are graduates of that school or others. Um, and whenever I used to give tramps to, to people, uh, if it was a group of girls, I'd say, you know, which school are you at? I'd try and actually field information as an Oler. I didn't have the background of knowing which school deals with different things. It's also important to note that uh, the, the Bagriot and the Megamot, the different uh, high school diplomas, will differ from school to school. So uh, if you have a, a, a son or daughter with a particular interest, you may say, though I may prefer this school, this other school actually teaches to my uh, child's strengths, and that's obviously of significance. There'll be nuances in ideology. So there the are a whole range of things. In addition to that, of course, there are financial considerations which may be uh, which need to be considered as a parent. Yeah, speak about that for a second, because many people think that schooling in Israel is free. So uh, maybe enlighten them. Uh, well, schooling in, in, in term, there is a, a state education system which uh, some people let send their children to. Uh, and there, the schooling is uh, pretty much free. Uh, when we come down to these high schools, especially those which are dorming, there are obvious costs, and those costs are pa passed on to parents. Now, when you compare the sums to uh, costs of American high schools, uh, obviously there's completely different figures, very small change. Uh, nonetheless, given the income that we have in Israel, sometimes those costs, uh, in fact, not sometimes, those costs certainly do add up, and that obviously needs to be taken into consideration. So I don't mind saying it out loud. So for us, the average is uh, for, uh, for a dorming child, we pay about 1,500 shekel a month. Over a twelve-month period, it's eight, it's at least eighteen thousand shekel a year. And Molly, you I don't know how much how much was it for a non-dorming school when you sent your child to the school in Yerushalayim because that's also remember. additional hours. I don't remember. Um, yeah, I don't think there was a significant difference in price. I, I don't I don't remember that being like an, a deal breaker or an issue. Um, but I could be I'm just not remembering because it was such a long time ago. <laughs> okay, I wanted to go to move to another topic. I wanted to move to the topic of the focus of the schools and the idea of of. The, the emphasis or lack of emphasis on academics in your experience in the Israeli school system. So I'll let Molly, I'll let you start with this one. How's your experience about academic issues in uh, Israeli schools? So again, I think because the schools, my, 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 my kids went to schools, which actually um, both had, I would say, quite excellent academics, high academic standards, um, good teachers, um, and so I've been pleased. I've been pleased overall with the academics um, uh, that my kids have, you know, have gotten. I, I think, you know, there's a whole conversation we could have about how we feel about the Bugroot system, right? That they're like, you know, the way it's set up, that they're obligated to learn certain material and, you know, are things taught to the test? How do teachers manage that? But again, I, I have found that, that the schools my, my, my children went to primarily were able to navigate that in a healthy way, where they were able to um, teach the curriculum interestingly and well, and kind of make it rich and full and supplement it in a positive way. Um, I, I think that it is true that um, there's a big emphasis here on 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 social on, on all types of social um, uh, aspects, whether that's you know tremendous support for for youth movements. Whether that's uh, a big emphasis on on um, on volunteering and support for all kinds of um, volunteering efforts, a, a lot of independence on the parts of the kids, um, I think it's a big part of Israeli life. I, I I know that in America they also have that, but I think there's there's a different flavor to it in Israel. I think um, and I think maybe the difference has to do with with the with the with the encouragement of of 
of of it being led by the kids rather than kind of being, you know, a, a program that the adults give to the kids to experience. Here, there's it's much more um, youth led, I would say, perhaps. Um, yeah, that's I much more that's common in general, though. Youth groups are also very much youth led. You know, yeah, they're, yeah, they're, they're exactly. the Maduchim. But, but I think that's uniquely, there's a uniquely Israeli flavor to that in the high schools. Johnny, um, what's your experience about it? What, Johnny, what's your experience in this issue of the focus of the schools and academics versus other issues, social issues? I think, obviously, the, there's a huge range in terms of emphasis on academics. I think some subjects have a more rigorous approach than others. Um, it should be noted just as an aside, and we're presuming that the people listening to us are English speakers, either living abroad or in, in Israel, that uh, many schools don't do a great job uh, of teaching English to those who already speak English. So that can be frustrating. Uh, my, my daughters currently, they work very hard in certain subjects. Uh, I think, for example, in Judaic studies, I'm slightly surprised at the level where certain aspects of their learning is pitched. I would have assumed it to be higher. But then that's kind of counterbalanced with a deeper, richer understanding and experience of both Israeli life and, and, and Jewish living. Wait, wait, before the so counterbalance, can you go back and expand upon that? Because you mentioned it and it's important to expand upon. What do you mean by that? You would have expected it to be higher. I mean, I suppose I have, I have this kind of idealistic vision that my, uh, uh, my daughters uh, would be, you know, very, very invested in deep study of, of Tanakh and, and and broad understanding of a wide range of uh, of Toshibar Pen, be it Dinim or Mishnah, Gmarab, depending wherever you you know sit, uh, in terms of their learning. Of course they learn, and of course they learn seriously, uh, but I, I don't see it to be the overarching subject that they are learning, uh, nor necessarily something which is very much uh, the top of necessarily this, the, the academic studies list. I think it's very much the top of the broad experience in the school. Um, they don't come home with, you know, the kind of ready, prepared, either. I wouldn't expect high school students to know, but those kind of throwaway things that perhaps one might maybe used to in America or the UK of what is a good school, a, a child who has these things prepared, it's not that at all. It's a deeper uh, experience of Jewish learning, but not necessarily... Uh, not necessarily one which emphasizes any single text uh, or any single skill, uh, such that, for example, and I was mentioning to you before the show, I was recently giving a lift back to uh, an, an Israeli who lives in my neighborhood for, from the seminary where she was studying. And uh, she was explaining how she felt that her skills are less good from the high school she attended here in Israel than some of the Anglos who attend that same Midrashah. And I thought that was telling. She has a much broader understanding of Jewish history and Jewish lifestyle, but actually some of the skills she has are less. I, I would, my experience has been very similar to that, that I've been very underwhelmed with text study, that, you know, like you said, there's a lot of sikhot and a lot of deep meaning and a lot of, you know, of, of, of study, as it were, or learning a subject. The teacher teaches the subject, but the, the, but my, the children are not, even except for Gemara with boys, obviously, when they're supposed to sit and learn, Except for that, there, there's no, you don't get the sense that they're, they're taught to struggle with the text, to, to grapple with it, to, to understand it on their own, and then try to decipher it without, with, you know, decipher the challenges and the issues of the text. 
And that I, when I, I don't know, like I went to high school a long, long time ago, but I remember we were in Chumash class and we were expected to know how to read a Rashi. And, and I don't get the sense that my children without help would have, would have the ability to sit and read a Rashi and understand, well, first of all, what was Rashi's question, which is obvious. What's he trying to answer? And simply, can I read it? Can I put the pauses in the right place? Which is, which is distressing to me. Molly? No, that's interesting. I don't have that experience. Um, I think, first of all, our Israeli kids are at an immediate advantage over a lot of the Anglos because the language comes so much easier to them. And so um, I think in certain ways the skills are already there for certain subjects, not all, obviously. Sure. Um, and now with classic texts, with regular, you know, of course, they can read Rabbi Lamed like there's no tomorrow. You know what I'm saying? No, but even Tanakh, you know. I, I, I don't agree with that. Read. I really, I disagree with that. They cannot read Okay, so maybe like, it's because my kids went to a Bark High School where, like, the first, the, the way they learn is um, from uh, first grade is, is reading the Psukim and, ex, and explaining them. Maybe that's why. But um, I don't know. I think their, their, their facility with Hebrew um, it, it makes a very big difference in, in scope of understanding and in depth of understanding. Um, also in elementary school, I, I don't, I, I don't, I didn't have that experience. I, and I don't, I think that my, my kids, I don't know if my kids, the kids from the schools, let's say that, that I've sent my kids to, I think are miles ahead of, of, um, of the, of the students from the, from the Midrashot that, that I see both from, from mine, my husband's, the others. Um, it's an interesting difference. I, I don't know why that is. Um, I mean, I don't. I don't I'm, we're not. You're seeing them. I mean, you're seeing them now. I remember. I remember when I like. At least when I went to yeshiva, I went to yeshiva in Greater Washington, and um, we worked hard on you know, on a lot of different areas. And and I guess I don't know if text is less emphasized now in general, because the kids kids are reading less and the screens. I I I, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't, you know. Uh, my my experience is just that it's a, it's a like slightly different pace of intensity of Torah study. Meaning, I spoke to the Machanechet of my daughter about this. And again, this is a religious woman, and I know my daughter learns learns deeply. I, you know, if I was really concerned, I'd pull her out of the school, and I'm not, and I'm very, very happy with it. But it's as if we're playing the long game here in Israel. We're not trying to play the short game. So to try and rush your daughter or your son to, to know this by this stage, don't worry about it. If she's in the right groove, she's in the right place, you know, with the right chevra and with the right plans, it's all going to be fine anyway. Um, what, is, what does fine mean? <laughs> and I'm asking, what does that mean? Meaning, will she, like daughters especially, if you think about it, many of the girls don't spend a year in Midrashah. They don't have Shana Ba'aretz. When they go to college, there's not, they're not even, they're not going to Stern. You know, let's say that our girls would have gone to Stern or whatever in America. They're not going, so whether they're going to go to Bar-Ilan and get a few courses in Judaic studies, they're not going to have serious Torah learning after they finish high school. Many, many of them. Although that being the case... It's becoming increasingly popular, which I think is very positive. Very positive. Oh, it's great, but it's not, it's not a given for many girls. It's definitely not a given. Yeah, no, that's true. No, I think you're right. I think John is pointing to something that's more about an experiential um, religious rooting rather than Torah knowledge, but I, I think it's a good point you're making. Like, to me, it's, it's very important that our girls, as you said, that, that that it's almost inconceivable to me, and I guess you're right, that that a young woman's education should should stop in high school, a young Israeli woman. That's that that's sad to me. I never thought about it in that way, because it's not the model that, I, that you know, I, I, I'm I'm not I'm raising my daughters yes to go to Midrashah, but like I didn't even stop to think about that for a second. Like how many of our young women 
their their formal education ends in high school. That's a I think that's a good point. All I can tell you is I was in, I wrote for many years, a number of years, and I taught a lot of them. And, you know, while they had Judaic studies classes that they had to take, first of all, the number of Jew Jewish studies classes is, is, is decreasing each and every year, even in the religious colleges, for budgetary reasons. And I, I can't say that, you know, it's not Lishma. It's definitely not Lishma. They don't see that. They don't see learning as, you know, Torah learning as necessarily fundamental to their own religious development. And that's an interesting, that's a really interesting point you're making. Again, that's why for me, that, it's that, that's, I like think, a, a broader stretch. I, I didn't say that, and I wouldn't say that necessarily. But listen, I say what I, my my quibble, and it's all it is. The quibble is there was a certain expectation of rigor that this would not just be number one in terms of ideology, but number one in terms of subject uh, emphasis. I feel that it's less so. But it is counterbalanced, and that counterbalance, by the way, is exceedingly important because with students are perpetually being taught lifestyle choices, and they are always being taught Jewish philosophy uh, and and Jewish outlooks, and that itself is so learning. You know, isn't limited just to those sessions in the classroom. That's like, I think the key point. You know, when I taught in in Chutz Aretz, you'd have Judaic studies and you'd have secular studies. And it sometimes be mixed, uh, interweaved, sometimes not. But the learning was in the classroom and a little bit in assemblies and in the corridors. Here, the learning is everywhere. It's on the street and it's in the school uh, and it's in, in the sikhot and it's in the plays uh, and it's in the literature that you read, not just in Judaic studies. And so it's it's a different pace. And I say, I think a different um, weighting of study versus wider encounters. Okay, that leads us actually to the next to, to the next topic. Accurate. Yeah, Sorry, which is the idea of teaching with the idea of the extracurricular or the or the 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 non um, the non uh, academic element. Meaning, like my experience has been, you know, that there is a very strong emphasis on non academic issues, on emotional well being, on spirituality in general. I mean, maybe that's the schools that we're sending to, but. That there's there's a very strong emphasis on that, and that's something that the schools very much work on and think about very very deeply. Has that been your experience as well? Well, for me, I think it has. I, I do I do think that that's true. Um, yeah, that's all I have to say. Well, then, good. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Yeah, I have well, to say also, like my my school, I, I'm pretty. I'm reasonably pleased with my daughter's um, educate the level of the education. She also was lucky to have some chanchot who passionate about um, Talmud Torah and even Torah Shabbat Peh and, and therefore pushed the girls quite hard, harder than some of the girls maybe wanted to be pushed. Um, but definitely, I think Johnny, what Johnny's describing is, I think he gave a very, very good overview. I think it's true, meaning there could be nuances, some places, you know, more emphasis on the on the text, some, on the, some less, but the overall description was correct. And I think it, that what you're saying is a piece of that. It's like there's a very holistic approach to the to Chinuch. Which I, I like. Right, so I'll, I'll give you an example of this. In, in Chodesh Elul, I went to my daughter's school in Nitzan for, a, a, it was actually a father's and daughter's learning evening. So we sat there in the Bet Midrash and we studied Jewish texts about tshuva. Uh, and of course, the, the you know, students have to have a certain level of knowledge, study the text and answer the questions. But were I to have been in, uh, in Chutz Aretz or maybe other, other schools 
here it would have been it would be concluded with a rabbi giving the shia and that's it there the rabbi basically said i hope you enjoyed these sources gave about a five minute uh, summary but the ultimate uh, crescendo of the evening was a musical storytelling of somebody who went on a journey away from judaism returned and so, meaning it was it was learning towards expressing the application of that learning in both life through culture and through the lived experience. Uh, and that fusion of learning between from the Bet Midrash onto the street, I find that repeated in many, many of my experiences. It's, so, it's interesting that you mentioned that, that the kids are exposed to, there's a whole, I would say, network of extracurricular speakers and talks and TU Lim and activities and programs that are just fundamentally Jewish. Like, you know, they go on a TU, they go on a, they have a speaker, they have... You know, Yom HaShoah comes along, and they they hear from a survivor. It's it's not just, and I know they have that in Chutzarets as well, but they have so there's so many different um, opportunities that they have to learn outside of the classroom and to experience outside the classroom that I think are very meaningful. That that are that are just opportunities that kids have here that uh, that are important for their development. And it's very holistic. I I think uh, Johnny said it very nicely. Like it's always like it's always something musical, and it's always a personal story. Um, and I, by the way, you you know, Johnny's talking about his daughter's education. So I want to say that I'm very pleased that my sons have things like this. You know, the Erev Horim, um, which one of my pet peeves about Israeli education, which if we're going to talk about Israeli education, is like they have this theory that if like one idea is good, like one program is good, three programs is better. If one hour is good, three <laughs> hours is better. So like everything, you know, it's like, should we have a dance, a play, a musical interlude, a Dvar Torah from a, from a grandparent? Um, uh, you know, the mechanechet speak, a parent or, or a student. I know, let's do all those things in one night. You know, that's always been my experience, um, which I think is nice. I think it's because Israel Israel loves Jews, loves children. Sorry, I hope it loves Jews. Um, I think it loves yeah. children. I think that has to do with the Holocaust. Uh, that's my own personal theory. Like they, they, they ch- and the army, they cherish these children who are somewhere in between. Like these, this is our legacy from the Holocaust and we're sending them off to the army and we, we like, therefore we value them so deeply. But what I was going to say about boys is that I'm very pleased that in an Arab room with my son, you know, like Johnny described, you're sitting and they give you this worksheet and it's not just working through sources, which is always there, but there's always, first of all, the sources are always like, some, there's always like a chassidut element to it or a machshav right, element. Exactly. And then it's like, so now parent and child, child, parent, what was one moment in your life when you felt extremely proud of yourself? Share it with your child. Child, what are you most <laughs> grateful for in your experience? Share with your parent. Like, these, these, um, this kind of self-exploration um, that's encouraged and dialogue, I, I think that's very, um, I'm not sure that that, I think it's beautiful and I think it's very Israeli and I think, I think it's very healthy for, it's for the development of our kids and especially our boys. So I don't know, if, I don't know how many, I don't know if all boys in all cultures are exposed to that level of, um, well, I, it's also not in every school. Let me put it that way. It's okay, definitely not. That in every could school. also be. Could be yours. Just like you know, learning Bechavrusa, and it's just in, you know, in our school where they're like, you know, tell us about, tell us about your feelings. feelings. No, it depends on the school. Again, it really, really depends on the school. Which is again another thing. I, I think that when, you, when now that you mentioned that, that's a good way of assessing, you know, uh, the values of the school. What happens on when the parent teacher learning? Because they all have it. But what happens there? What kind of things go on there? That's a really interesting question. The thing that you raised. Because that shows the priorities of the school. A really good way of evaluating I, I, it. I'd add one further thing, a completely separate thing about uh, dormitory schools, which 
uh, we've had previously, and we're looking forward to another one in the next couple of weeks, which is they'll have a Shabbaton for parents and children, where the parents and children will stay in the dorms, and then everyone gets to know each other. And because the families can be from very, very far away, so even if I were to like these people, I may not have ever met them, and especially as an Oleh, the likelihood is, you know, 90% of the, of the parent body of a dorming school, I don't know that well. And spending a Shabbat bonding together, hearing about them, seeing within the school considerable diversity, I think is a really, really magical thing. Uh, and we had a wonderful time last year and looking forward to, say, to another one coming in a few weeks' time elsewhere in Nitzan. Um, so it, it's about inviting the family into the school and the school recognizing uh, the significant role of the family for the child, notwithstanding the fact that the child spends quite a lot of time uh, learning and often sleeping in the school. I, w- I would point out, though, Johnny, I would point out something, Johnny, that you say, that yes, they're happy to welcome you into the school, but you have very little say about what goes on in the school, as opposed to America, where you're a paying customer and you have a lot of say about what goes on and you know the, pre- the president and whatever. But my experience has been, you know, as much as they care and they want to hear, and when push comes to shove, like we run the school and you don't run the school and we're going to do it the way we think we should do it and take it or leave it. So you know, I would say that, that's been our experience. I, I, so I would say the opposite. I would say that when I was talking about what to look for in a school, one of the things you look for is, and this was what decided me against one of the dorm schools, was when they asked, uh, one of the parents asked at the open school night, why dorm? Right? Why dorm? And they said something like, well, because, you know, you as the parent are going to have a hard time waking up your kid to send them to uh, Midian, so we're going to do your job for you. And I was like, you think you're doing my job for me? You're not my school. So, and as opposed to, mm-hmm. I send my child where it's much more collaborative. It's much more like Johnny described. There's much more of a sense that the Chinuch, and they emphasize that very strongly, that, that, that their partners, that, that parents and, and, uh, and the school are partners, and they very much listen to the parents, and they give a lot of space for what the parents want for their kids, what the kids want. Um, so that's another thing to look for in a school. especially Wait, if you disagree school. with something going on in the school... You have a problem with something happening in the school. So I, again, I, I don't think it has to come to that place of disagree or have a problem. We've had a lot of, I've found that the school has been very accommodating when we have come and said, our child is having an issue with X, Y, or Z. The, the, the approach has been collaborative. Let's see how we can help your kid. Um, no, that's not, that's not what I'm talking about. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about you that the school has, to, 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 has a certain policy about X, Y, Z. They've decided to do it to you to, I don't know, to Tekoa, where the kids are going to be on their own, and and you think that that's a misguided, not good decision. That's so, never happened I'll, to I'll you? Tell you so. We have not had that type of experience, but what I'm saying is we have had times where we've had to talk to the school and say, you know... Uh, uh, when it comes to individual students, I agree with you. My, my child is having a problem with this. We'll always find a solution. I agree with you about that, because it's about the kid. But if you question their... I, 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 that's the my policy? experience. If you have... A policy or a broad decision that they've made, I've been, you know, put in my place, and I guess that's their right. But in America, it never would have happened. You know, you know, you know. Just, just a, just a quick, um, you know, Malcolm Gladwell has a episode about chutzpah, and he interviews an Israeli who talks about the relationship between Israeli parents and Israeli schools. Let's not forget that even if the school says we're not going to make the change, how are you interacting with the school? Well, here. Uh, unlike uh, the UK, and I'm quite sure in the US, you call a teacher on their cell phone out of hours late at night, and that's considered to be completely normal. 
um, you can call them relatively repeatedly and make your point quite clear. You're on first name terms and you're going to walk into their room and let them know what you feel. And that's not considered to be chutzpah in a bad way. That's considered to be normal. So even if the conclusion is not to your liking, I always know that people heard my voice. Whereas, for example, in the UK, listen, uh, you can only call between you know 9 a.m. and 5 p.m. and have a meeting, and only if I have time, and it has to become some kind of formality. Because you get rid of all that red tape, I know that the teachers heard me. I know the head teachers listen to what I've had to say, even if they say, that guy Solomon, he doesn't know what he's talking about. More um, likely those Americans, that, they don't know what they're talking about. Probably, <laughs> maybe, that, maybe that too, but that sense of being able to reach a teacher uh, or other staff member immediately, that sense of connectedness, that sense of truth be told, first name terms, and the ability to walk into a school within obviously the right confines of security, etc. That means that you do feel a greater sense of a uh, bond with what's going on. Molly, anything yeah, no, to add? Like, I agree. I agree with Johnny. I, I, again, and I also think it very much depends on the school. Like, um, it, it, again, just thinking back, you know, now I'm talking about how wonderful it is because I'm talking about the school that I, we had a good experience with, the school that was not such a great match. We did not feel, um, we, I have to, again, I'll give Johnny, we felt heard. We felt people made meetings with us. People made an effort. But um, it wasn't, you know, we also felt like we were hitting brick walls. And the solutions that were being offered weren't the right solutions. So, again, I think it's a lot of it is good fit. Um, but that, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of positive. I, uh, I'm not being 100%. I, don't, I, don't, I totally agree. There's a lot, a lot of positive out there. But it, it, I just feel like maybe because we're not, like when I was in, we were in America, at least we had in, in elementary school, you're it's you're paying a lot of money and there aren't that yeah, many kids especially out there. There's none right. Of so if you think about here in the elementary school, like you know, like there's a, there's 600 kids in the school and you know, like the principal doesn't have to give you the time of day that he had to. You know, even a very good principal that he had to when you were in Chutz, when we were in Chutzlar. That's just that's yeah, all that's I'm saying. Why. That's why I get on the Vod Horim of every single uh, class. Just one quick thing, and I won't get into specific details. We did have an incident in one of my daughter's uh, elementary schools, a serious in, in, incident uh, that my, occurred in the school. But what happened was, straight away, I contacted the teacher. Straight away, I got to speak with them. Um, actually, I didn't feel that their systems were quite right, but I, I was able to tell them directly and uh, make almost immediate changes to the school. Sometimes things will happen in a school not to your liking. The question isn't, is everything going to be rosy? But when you do encounter challenges, how quickly are a school prepared to say, we need to do better? And actually, in this instance, they needed to do better. And within a, a very, very short amount of time, I saw significant changes uh, and a real acceptance that um, improvements could be made. That didn't change the fact that something sh happened that, that shouldn't have happened. But I know, okay. like I was making a joke about getting on the Vat Horim, but I do feel like here, um, the, this, the, as you said, like sometimes it's like the amount of kids to the infrastructure, to the teachers and to, to the principals, it, it might be unbalanced and, and they're, they're welcoming and looking for parental help. So I feel like there is opportunity for parental involvement um, and that's where I, I agree with Johnny. Like sometimes when the parents are willing to pitch in, um, 
you know, that the school appreciates it. Yeah. Right. And that lens that, you know, that fosters that type of uh, communication that, that Johnny was talking about. Okay. I think we'll leave it here. Uh, there's a lot of food for thought. If you have comments or questions you'd like to share with us, uh, feel free to share it with us over email. All of us are available on email. I got a lengthy comment over Facebook, uh, an audio comment, so I, we can't really respond to it. But if you want to send it to us on WhatsApp, we'd be happy to respond as well. Uh, I want to thank Molly Browski and Rabbi Johnny Solomon for participating in this discussion with us today, with me today. My name is Ruben Spolter, and uh, we'll see you next week.